Okay. It's happening. Okay. We're recording? We're recording. Without Dylan this week. Without Dylan. He couldn't join us. He's sitting bedside with DMX right now. And Prince Philip. They're in the same hospital. Really? Mm-hmm. What happened to Prince Philip? He's 99 years old. He's in the hospital, I'm pretty sure. I heard that somewhere. Really? Mm. I don't really follow royalty, though. No. That's sad. Yeah. I do follow Prince Philip on Instagram, though. Dylan's trying to get... Uh, we've been trying to get one-on-one with DMX for quite a long time, and this is probably our best chance. Mm-hmm. So we sent Dylan on a field recording. Yeah, he's recording DMX. Well, from what I read in the report, there's very little brain activity with DMX at the moment. Okay. But when he comes out of that coma, first mm-hmm. thing he's going to hear is, do you want to do our podcast, for please? Mm-hmm. Please, please, uh, DMX, please. 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 <laughs> and he'll say yes. He will. Or he'll say, what's a podcast? Mm-hmm. Or he'll say, uh, what's a little B stand for? Little bitch? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a good video that's a classic video <laughs> Dylan's gonna be holding a an, uh, wearing a little I'm gay t-shirt yeah and first thing DMX is gonna see <laughs> he's gonna go right back in a coma <laughs> I hope DMX gets well though alright well it's not the official stance of Heavy Load Podcast it is the episode official 12. stance of this half of Heavy Load yeah, we couldn't be more opposites right now right today David cause you're wearing like a like a flower shirt with some blue shorts and um, some black puma socks. Not wearing a hat, and he's wearing some multicolored Vans. Yeah, you're I'm, wearing a fleece. I'm wearing a fleece. A type of sweatpant. Sweatpants. Although we are both wearing black socks. Yeah. You see, I'm trying to go for Big Island vibes. It's April. Mm-hmm. It was snowing three days ago. Well, it's not snowing today. So as far as I'm concerned, this is Honolulu. Mm. This is the village the village in Florida. You ever know anyone who, who's gone to Hawaii? My dad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did he come back, like, talking all about Hawaii and its culture and, like, basically being converted to an islander? Uh, I think he went to Hawaii before I was born. I think it was in the 80s. But oh, okay. whenever you bring up Hawaii, he does get mystic about it. Mm-hmm. Called it the closest thing to paradise on earth. He puts on a ukulele C- He puts on a CD by, um, Iz. Iz? Is that his name? The enormous ukulele playing guy? Uh, I just know him as the guy from Shallow Hal. He's in that movie? Let me double check. I was about to watch Shale Hill the other night, but I watched Eurotrip instead. Yeah? How was that? Uh, it's not that good. I've never heard of Eurotrip. I think it's a spiritual successor to Road Trip, the Tom Green vehicle. You mean Freddy Got Fingered? Mm-mm. Different one. This is, I believe that's before Freddy Got Fingered. I really like, uh, in Eurotrip, actually, there's a part with Matt Damon. Yeah. That was very funny. Somehow. He, he's like a... a Blink when he he's like a Mark Hoppus type guy, got like a shaved head and tattoos, and he's like a pop punk singer. He's like making out with the main character's ex girlfriend on stage, and the whole song is about how uh, the main character Freddie 
Scotty, Scotty, uh, doesn't know that Mad Demon was banging his girlfriend all this time. Oh, wow. Yeah. Being banged by Mark Hoppus. A fate worse than death. Being fucked by Mark Hoppus. Mm-hmm. Just imagine that. You're DMX, you're waking up in the hospital, and the first thing you see is Mark Hoppus, and he's like, we're going to fuck, and there's Matt Damon with the recorder, dressed mm-hmm. just like Mark Hoppus. Mm-hmm. Just imagine. Could you imagine? <laughs> the look on Mark Hoppus, on DMX's face. Just put me back in the coma now, please. Mm-hmm. Get well soon, Mr. X. But I know someone's relative, I know, and they they went to go see Shallow Hill on their own. Yeah. And uh, they left in the middle of the movie crying because they assumed everybody was staring at them and making fun and, like, laughing at them. Yeah. Maybe they were laughing at the movie. I mean, maybe. Is, is what I'm guessing is more likely, but... Maybe she ran away or he ran away crying of laughter. It's too funny. Mm. Uh, I really you don't misheard think, the story. I really don't think that was it. You never done that to a movie? No, but I think, I mean, you almost did when we saw What We Do in the Shadows. Yeah. Yeah, well, I didn't run away. I wanted to keep laughing. All they had to do, all they had to do was, was say the name Wesley Snipes. That's not all it was. It was also that guy dressed as Blade that also really got me. Yeah. That's funny. I'm, I'm not going to not gonna disagree. I was uh, Cape Fear laughing the whole time. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes. <laughs> the theater was filled with smoke. Yeah. I should do that the second I go back to a movie theater. Mm-hmm. The first thing I do is going to be Cape Fear. Cape Fear is someone's movie-going experience. <laughs> and by that, I mean also stalk their home. Bite their um, cheek bite off. Their che- bite, well, not their cheek off, but someone they know is cheek off. Oh, okay. Right. I hate to do it, but I'm also going to uh, be opposed as a drama school teacher. You know, that storyline. Wait, is that in both of them? No, it's in the Martin Scorsese version, though. Where he pretends to be Juliet Lewis's uh, drama school teacher or drama club teacher, drama class teacher, for summer class, summer school. Yeah. Summer class. Wait, why do you need summer school for drama? She failed drama class. I don't know. That see, that does seem like that's a stupid. I guess we just don't show up. Yeah. I remember in my drama class in high school, there was a kid who uh, was really cool, and he really wanted to make it okay for him to swear during a monologue. Yeah. And uh, he was really trying to break down the drama teacher and let him let him say fuck while doing a monologue. And they were like, well, it's really not appropriate unless, you know, you're extremely in the moment, you're really feeling the scene. Was he feeling the scene? Was he good? Um, or was he up there like... Um you can't handle the fucking truth. That's not even in that that scene. He, I want to say he tried to do a monologue from like Friday the Thirteenth or something. Jason's big monologue in that movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, I I transferred out of that class. Yeah, I know some people who went to the theater over the weekend actually, and they saw Kong vs. Godzilla. Yeah. You didn't watch that yet, did you? No, I haven't. Mm-hmm. I might watch it soon, or maybe I won't at all, and just go by people's word that it's good. It's. It's a fun movie. It's fun? Yeah. Is it as good as Skull Island? Mm, no, I probably like that one a little better. I haven't seen that one yet. Should I watch that before watching the new one? I guess. I mean, you don't have to. Okay. I know you got to watch the Peter Jackson King Kong before watching any of these movies, mm-hmm. though. I still haven't revisited that movie. You ever seen that one? No. It's three hours long. 
Criterion just put out that Godzilla box set in preparation for Kong vs. Godzilla, I believe. Yeah. So you've got to sit and watch all 50? Um, I mean, is that even all of them in the box set? No, I think there's more. No, I think it's only the first one, I think, up to about... 78 mid 70s movies before they brought them back in the mid 80s mm-hmm. so it might be like 17 movies they brought them back what happened to them they stopped making Godzilla movies for a while and then there was a resurgence in 1985 and then they did like a series throughout the 90s and then those ended in 95 they killed off Godzilla he blew up he became a, like, a thir- like a nuclear reactor and exploded good movie Godzilla mm-hmm. vs. Destroyer Okay. And then they brought him back again in the 2000s. And the, well, Godzilla 2000 came out as a response to Godzilla 1998, the American version. Toho hated it so much that they needed to make a new Godzilla movie. And then they just started making them again in the 2000s until about 2006. And they did Final Wars. What is that? I've never heard of that one. Godzilla Final Wars? Uh, I haven't seen it, but it's supposed to involve aliens and like every monster is there. Including the 1998 Godzilla, he gets uh, he's in the, only there for like 30 seconds. He gets like bitch slapped into that like the Sydney or what's the big music theater in Australia? Yeah, the Sydney Opera House. Sydney Opera House. He gets knocked right into that, dies, and that's the end of him. Mm-hmm. From what I hear, the 90s Godzilla movies are really good though. Yeah, I'll take your word for it. You're not gonna watch them? Uh, I mean, I, I've seen the original. I'm. I really. I prefer King Kong actually over Godzilla. How? Significantly. He's only got. He doesn't even have any bad guys. That's <laughs> key for a for a monster movie. I mean, to me, aren't humans the bad guys? No, I don't care about that. I want to see another giant monster. That's cooler than the original monster. I like. I feel more. I feel closer. Um, like if I were to play connect, I could probably play a game of Connect Four with King Kong. Yeah. Uh, but Godzilla, I don't think it would. It would <coughs> well, work. he doesn't have opposable thumbs, so it wouldn't work out. Yeah, he'd just melt the board. That he would. Mm-hmm. Or bite it, or drop kick it, like he does sometimes. I mean, King Kong is all about sign language in the new one. He is. Yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. The Jerry Seinfeld book. Oh, sign like that kind of sign language. Mm-hmm. I get you. He's all about. He won't put. He wouldn't put it down. And Godzilla wanted to borrow it. He's got the Jerry mullet. Yep. And he's got like a high-waisted jeans with like a big shirt tucked into it. It's kind of billowy. Mm-hmm. The classic Jerry Seinfeld look. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, if we're on the topic of movies, I uh, I finished my my yearly task. It, it yeah, self-administered task of watching all of the Best Picture nominees for uh, the Oscars. Yeah. Uh, I'm gonna run through them real quick. Give some, give some quickie little reviews. Yeah, I'll I'll uh, comment on them as well. I haven't seen any of them, but I'll comment. Yeah, you haven't seen any of them, have you? Mm-mm. All right, I'm gonna start with my least favorite one, The Father. I haven't heard of this movie, but uh, this I'm was the the worst one. Oh, sorry. What what's your take? My take is uh, it's gonna be about a dad who's really cool. Mm-hmm. He's kind of like uh, arguably yeah. Very cool dad. He's played by Anthony Hopkins. All he wants to do is take his son out of school for two weeks. No son. No son? No. It's a daughter. 
wants to take his daughter out of school so they can go spend a weekend watching mm-hmm. the World Series. His daughter's uh, grown. It takes place in England. All right, I don't know anything about this movie. Oh, okay. I'm done assuming. Well, uh, it was the worst one, as I predicted. Uh, it's adapted from a play. Who's in it? Who's, uh, Anthony Hopkins. Okay, you already said that. He plays Daddy. And Olivia Coleman plays his uh, daughter. Uh, Imogen Poots is in it. I don't know who that is. Um, She was in Green Room. Okay. Who was she in Green Room? She was the white supremacist girl. The one who gets stabbed or the with, one who doesn't get stabbed? Uh, With the haircut. Like the bangs and the... Okay. Kind of like a the, Shannon the blonde one and Rules of Attraction haircut? Uh, not exactly, but... I, in same, the same, same family? ballpark, I guess, yeah. So, yeah, but it's uh, adapted from a play, and like all movies adapted from plays, it's sort of uh, a weird, pandering, boring, dry, really no spice at all. Really just like a one-to-one. A lot of people, like a lot of big scenes in rooms where they don't leave the room. Yep. And it's, I don't know, when I saw the nominees, I was like, this is the old lady bait for this year. Which is fine, there's always one. All old women, you know, Anthony Hopkins is like Timothy Chalamet to old women. Mm-hmm. Or maybe not Timothy Chalamet. Who's like a, he's the, who's a hot guy? I wouldn't know. <laughs> he Okay, a hot guy, a hot, you know, Seth Rogen, let's say, or a, a Jonah Hill, mm-hmm. you know. Real sexy old guy for old ladies. Yeah. I like Olivia Coleman. you know, she's, uh, she's pretty good in the movie. They're, okay. So I want to. What I want to make clear is that this movie was not as bad as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be like you know, your Philomena, or your uh, Florence Foster Jenkins. What are these all like? Other Oscar nominees? Yeah. Past Oscar from the past. The essential um, woman in her sixties movie club pick. Mm -hmm. But no, it's actually the movie. It's pretty disorienting and weird because Anthony Hopkins has dementia. Very and cool. he, uh, you're kind of left to figure things out based on what he is able to understand. Yeah. So, like, he thinks he's in his apartment, but then it turns out it's actually his daughter's apartment. Oh, he's, that's pretty interesting. He sees his son-in-law, who's actually, like, a different guy, because you see a different guy later, and it's actually the same character. And then by the end, it all kind of comes together where you figure out, it's like, oh, that guy was just, like, the nurse... And he was just hallucinating all this, or something like that. That's like a solid five out of ten. Okay, what's next? Because aren't there nine nominations? Yeah. So next, uh, I'm gonna go with Nomadland. Yeah. Just, just set it to three again. Or like five. Yeah, five is a more fair number. Like nine. No, it's, it's too way much. too many. Make it easier for Dan. Make it easier for me, please. Honestly, this somehow this year where the, there were no there was uh, no movie theater open to go see these, mm-hmm. it was like the most bearable set of Oscar nominees hmm. I've had to watch. It was like the least painful to get through all these. Uh, no Man Land. Okay, I still haven't forgiven Frances McDormand for her Oscar acceptance speech from a few years ago. It was yeah, it was kind of lame. But uh, the movie or the speech? Well, the. Both, I guess. <laughs> uh, no, it, no Man Land is okay. My main observation: there's a part where she, she's working at an Amazon warehouse. There's a woman with a Morrissey 2017. And she's like, God damn! Why do people want to unionize? I'm out of here. 
You know, I'm. You know, we're like an anti-union podcast, right? We are. Mm-hmm. Well, I was talking to Dylan the other day about starting a union. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait a minute. Why didn't you tell me? <laughs> well, it's secretive. Hush hush business. Okay. We'll uh, we'll discuss this later. I'll call my lawyer. Okay. Uh, so anyway, there's a woman she's talking to with a Morrissey 2017 solo lyric tattoo mm-hmm. uh, that she incorrectly attributes to the Smiths. Um, and aside from that moment of brief unbridled rage, I felt uh, no other emotions while watching this. Uh, next up, we got Judas and the Black Messiah. I haven't seen it yet. I kind of want to watch it, though. This one I would actually recommend. Um, I was surprised by the amount of compelling action scenes, and it's a much better historical drama than Trial of the Chicago 7, which I'll get to in a minute. That's nominated? Yeah. Uh, Jesse Plemons is in this movie. He's an FBI agent. He has a pair of pants in one scene that defy logic. He resembles a flounder, like Flats from the bully episode of Spongebob. His appearance in general is perplexing, even uh, even compared to Martin Sheen uh, portraying Jagger Hoover in the movie. My main uh, takeaway from when that movie came out was Charlemagne the God interviewing Daniel Kaluuya. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was trying to imply that's like, did you have... Because tr- um, Keith Stanfield plays... Like an informant, right? He plays the the Judas. Yeah. yeah. You, who? Well, Trump and the God and Lakeith Stanfield. Stanfield have uh, beefed in the past, and he was, I think, trying to drum up the, the tension again in this interview. And he was like, "Well, did you have trouble, you know, trusting that guy on set because you know he's, you know, he's playing this guy, an informant? Did you think you couldn't trust him? Like it wasn't a movie?" Yeah. Well, what did Daniel Kaluuya even say? I don't know. <laughs> I I just watched, listened to that question. Of, I was like, this is the silliest show I've ever heard. Uh, but yeah, no, I'd actually recommend that one. The other two, not really, but uh, Judas, you know, but there is like a good chunk in the middle where it sort of drags. It's like a two-hour movie. It, it could have been a little shorter, maybe. Okay. Uh, but besides that, it's pretty good. Next up, we got Minari. I haven't watched that. A24 movie. It's got the Glenn from The Walking Dead in it. You got Glenn Close in it? Mm, no. Okay. But uh, there is, it's a Korean-American family. They get a farm. And it's pretty good. What kind of what kind of crops are they growing? They're growing uh, Korean vegetables. Okay. Mm. No livestock? No. Do they ride horses? Mm, no. That's not a cowboy movie, David. Well, I'd like it to. Uh, it's not a movie I'm going to be thinking about in a month, probably. But it did get me to try Mountain Dew again. And, um, Mountain Dew is still terrible. Why did it get you to try Mountain Except Dew? Except for Baja Blast. Well, they drink Mountain Dew in the movie. And, uh, there's a cute scene where the grandma comes to live with them. And the daughter gets out the Mountain Dew is like, Grandma, this is my, this is good. It's, uh, water from the mountains. Then <laughs> I don't know, the grandma gets really into Mountain Dew. Oh, I thought you should say she, like, is disgusted. No, the grandma gets really into Mountain Dew and, uh, like, watching boxing. Very cool. On TV. Yeah, it is pretty cool. She gets really into the Joe Rogan experience mm-hmm. when they talk about fighting. Yeah. Oh, yeah, one step closer to MMA. Mm-hmm. She gets in, she puts on some gloves and becomes an MMA boxer. Uh, next is Sound of Metal, which I already talked about this one a bit on the show. So, I'll just say that the most relatable part of this is 
the feeling of paying for something that is not worth the money and trying to convince yourself that it was. Like, when you pay $40 for the Skywalk at the Grand Canyon, and it's another overpriced part of the overrated scam that is the Grand Canyon. Very contra- contrary to Dylan's review a couple weeks ago. Uh, next up, uh, Promising Young Woman, which I also recommend. And regardless of what you think, whatever your opinion is on the movie, I've seen some uh, conflicting opinions. It is the most interesting uh, movie nominated, and also my personal favorite. I didn't see it. Or any of these movies. Mm-hmm. Or really any movie in 2020. Except for Spree and Borat 2. Oh yeah, well, we can talk about Spree and We can talk about some uh, some honorable mentions. Uh, next is Mank. Which uh, you also didn't watch? No, I meant to. Uh, This mentally taxing movie required 10 hours of meditation, unlocking my third eye to achieve the brain power necessary to sort of enjoy this. Even as someone who enjoys film history, old Hollywood, and David Fincher, uh, I'm not sure why it was made. And I don't even know if I would recommend it, but I did kind of like it, actually. It felt like I had to do a lot of work to enjoy it, though. Sounds, yeah. Uh, maybe I won't watch it at all now. I'm uh, not into doing work while watching movies. Mm-mm. Well, finally, uh, we've got Trial of Chicago 7. Uh, this movie is written and directed by Aaron Sorkin, in, in which he drags a bunch of popular actors out in uh, clown costumes to melodramatically recreate a historical event with just enough competency to uh, be watchable, and yet it's a ridiculous fantasy seemingly drummed up by um, an AP U.S. history class. Yeah, I, uh... If my A-Push class had, uh, written a dramatic adaptation of this event in high school, it probably would have turned out like that movie. I watched some of that movie. I got to the scene where they go to trial and someone tosses an egg to one of the guys. And they have that, you know, that quick moment of, like, you don't know what to do with the egg now, do you? That scene, you know what Mm -hmm. I'm talking about? Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, and I was good after that. It just seemed lame. And then he puts the egg in his mouth, and uh, he's like, God, this is funny, right? And then he accidentally sucks the egg into his throat. Really? Does he die? Well, yeah, you see, it's like an extreme... It's kind of like a Ren and Stimpy, um, like, extreme close-up, where he just, like, all the veins are bulging in his head, and his eyes are just, like, borderline popping out. Nice. Or he's mm-hmm. got, like... It's, and like, s- sticking out of his throat. Mm-hmm. And Sasha Baron Cohen uh, punches him in the neck, uh, which shatters the egg, and... Allows him to uh, open his uh, breathing passage back up. Anyway, the other movie I watched that's nominated for an Oscar that uh, is not a Best Picture nominee, but it is the Best International Movie nominee, is Another Round, which is a different category, but really good. One of my favorites from last year. What category was it nominated? I I just said the Best International feature, Best Foreign feature, whatever they call it these days. What's it about? It's like, uh, so it's got Mads Mikkelsen in it, who is the guy from the TV show Hannibal. Okay. He's from Denmark, I think. The movie is about him and, like, three of his other, like, middle-aged friends, and they're all kind of going through a midlife crisis. And they go out to dinner one day, and then one of them starts talking about this philosopher whose theory is that every human is, like, 0.05% deficient in alcohol. Mm-hmm. So that means that everybody to maintain like a standard human experience needs to have like one drink in them at any time. Okay. And so then they all decide to like just try it as an experiment. And so they're all like going to work, having a drink at work. 
and it improves all their lives actually but uh you know things go a little different for some of them i don't want to spoil it but uh i really liked it it's on hulu actually okay you might actually like that one i'll check it out i'd recommend that one as well it's directed by a guy who did one of my favorite movies from the last decade the hunt um in which mads mickelson plays a kindergarten teacher and one of the kids claims that he like molested them yeah but it was just because they had heard someone talking about it and they just like said it nothing actually happened um but it becomes a whole thing where suddenly like all the kids are being convinced to like accuse him of molesting them and he he didn't he did not do anything he was totally innocent but it's sort of about like his town turning on him mm. because it's kind of like nightmare on elm street exactly like nightmare on elm street almost. exactly except uh well no actually yeah it is exactly like <laughs> nightmare on elm street the hunt too is where he comes back in the dreams mm-hmm. i would love a sequel to the hunt yeah that'd be good uh, yeah that movie rocks too it's better than another round in my opinion what else spree that's an honorable mention that's not nominated for anything unfortunately but uh we've both seen this one and uh it rocks it's really funny it's really good takes a big swing on its subject matter and uh filming style but uh totally nails it in my opinion till the last act it gets a little big for its britches it's kind of hokey but oh i i kind of like the ending I, I mean i do too but i think maybe um, they need to reel it in a little maybe a little zany my favorite scene is definitely the scene where he goes and um, when he takes over the other stream, when he's yeah. his friend. Good movie. Um, Four at two. Let's see, I oh yeah, that's nominated for some stuff. What's it not? It's been nominated for best script. You said, or no? Mm, best actress. Remember, yeah, and uh, best actor okay. for Sasha Baron Cohen. Now, where was that nomination in two thousand six? It's virtually the same character. Good question. I don't know. I think uh, it's sort of just scraping the bottom of the barrel. Probably. I don't, I don't think that movie was that good. Borat 2? Yeah. No, not as good as Borat 1. Mm-mm. I personally, just to respond to a video on YouTube I saw, asserting that it's funnier than Borat 1. Are you, you, know, are you, you calling, wa- calling someone out? No, not really. It's a Lindsay Ellis video that I just disagreed with. I wasn't pissed off. Oh, either. yeah. I just disagreed. We we like Lindsay Ellis. Yeah, Lindsay Ellis is cool, but her opinion on Borat is not cool. Watch Watchmen the other day. So th- I mean, this came out twelve years ago, and it, it's not Being nominated non- this year. Watched it over the weekend. There were a couple parts that had me cracking up. I mean, obviously, I've seen the scene before, but when Rorschach uh, throws oil at the guy's face, yeah, you're you're not in here with me. No, that's you're not, not in here with me. <laughs> I'm in here with y'all. Yeah, he goes. You're not in here with me. Fuck. How far do you guys? He just runs into the bathroom crying. I'm just one of the guys. <laughs> one of the watch guys. Anyway, that scene is... It, it rocks. The guy I like the guy who plays Rorschach. He's pretty... Jack, pretty you're Freddy Krueger. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then, do you remember... The real the, Freddy Krueger in my book. Do you remember the Chris Farley-looking dude? I haven't seen that movie since <laughs> 2010. <laughs> I just remember that scene. Well, the, okay, so after that scene, Rorschach's in his prison cell, and there's the r- short guy who comes sidling up with uh, two of his heavies, and uh, he's threatening Rorschach. And the one guy, he's like a he's like a big Chris Farley-looking dude with a totally shaved head. He sounds exactly like Chris Farley, and he screams at Rorschach. He's like, I'm going to tear you a new hole. 
I don't remember that scene. That's really <laughs> funny though. <laughs> but see, then is that in the book? Then I don't. Have you read? I don't. The, have you read Watchmen? Yeah. I don't yeah. remember that guy. Because Zack Snyder's a very literal adapt ad- adapter. That's the part that sucks about Watchmen. Is the, mo- it's the just movie. a literal adaptation? Is it? Yeah, he really doesn't. I mean, except for the the squid is gone. The squid is gone. I don't Which know. Which kind of sucks. I don't that's know why really they did cool. that. Yeah, it's, it's like a comic a, book movie. Why is it a big deal? It's a pretty movie? like weird, upsetting visual, and he just made it like a big ball ball of, ball of light. Yeah. Which sucks. It's not as cool. Mm-mm. See that big squid? It's like a Godzilla monster. It's freaky. Yeah. I just watched the regular, like, the theatrical cut. I guess maybe adding an hour and 20 minutes or whatever might improve it in some ways, but I still don't think at its center really gets the idea. Do you? I feel like it just is a lot more effective in comic book form. Yeah. Especially because of, like, how big the comic was at the time it came out, or, like, how uh, how much it impacted just comic books in general. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely good as it is. This is a comic book. Especially if you're... I mean, when you're adapting... The idea of, like, adapt... Like like what we were saying about Zack Snyder being a... This is a very literal-minded director in terms of adapting stuff. Then why even bother, really? I mean... Yeah. Like, I haven't seen the Watchmen series, but it's, like, something different, right? Yeah, it's different. It's, like, similar, but different enough that it's interesting and really good. See, that seems more worthwhile making. Yeah, it, it's sort of a thing that I, I don't really understand why it was made, but I'm happy that it was made. Oh. Uh, how do you feel? What do you think is the ideal adaptation of something? Or, like, not like an example, but just, like, in your own words, what a good adaptation is. Because I just watched... Rule, like, we were talking earlier. I watched Rules of Attraction today. Oh, yeah, the the movie based on the Brady Sinellis novel. Yeah, and <clears throat> um, I had some problems with it as an adaptation. Overall, I liked it, but... It's weird because that's the one that Bryce Nellis talks about being, like, the most what he envisioned yeah. when he was writing it. But, it, I don't know, I just felt like it cut out a little too much of the character relationships to really feel effective for me personally. Yeah. Although, like, the way... I, there are parts of it that are pretty good. Yeah, like, I, yeah overall it's... I feel achieve, uh, you know, pure cinema, as he likes to say. Yeah. Oh, it looks great. It's a really well-made movie mm-hmm. and i thought all the backward like the whole um non-linear aspect of it or like it i can't deal with um who's the guy uh like the the coked out guy richard richard yeah i hated him yeah he's horrible in the movie he's so unfunny i watched that and it he's just... one of the funniest parts in the book but he just he just is like a little a little ghoul or something i don't know yeah the fuck you that part so annoying he's like i will not leave the table yeah that part the whole thing it's just embarrassing oh the part where they're dancing to faith is pretty funny i guess i don't think it was funny i mean it's i just liked it it was fun i like that song it is a good song Mm -hmm. feel uh feel some kind of way about that movie but obviously the book is a lot better i think american psycho is a better brady sinalis adaptation yeah I think those are probably the best two Brace Nellis adaptations. Only, well, there's four, I guess, but I don't even think about Informers. I've never seen the Informers. I don't know why they made it. I'm excited to watch this one day. Yeah, you know, I'll, I'll watch it, but why? Of all his books. How about a, how about like a film adaptation of White? <laughs> <laughs> just, just him talking. 
like at the camera his non-fiction book of essays <laughs> adapted yeah. into would be good be pretty good i think uh well, i haven't read it i can't cast it i don't know if i'll ever read it it just seems like if you listen to the podcast you've heard all this before if you like his podcast there's no real reason to read white i just bought it because it was an exciting prospect that he had a new book out that you could buy mm-hmm. but oh, well, yeah an adaptation like a good adaptation yeah the movie adaptation that's a good adaptation it's an incredible movie yeah i mean the director needs to have their own little spin they, like they need to communicate to the audience i think that they understand the material mm. well enough that you know maybe they can take liberties with it or change things that you know that it doesn't have to be exactly the way it was in the book yeah that's why i personally think the shining is a good adaptation yeah i mean it's uh, not the book in spirit at all no but it, it's like still the same like sequence of events essentially enough that's one where I like both the book and the movie, but I don't really love either one. Oh, I love both. A little overrated, maybe. Which, the book or the movie? Both. Both? Mm-hmm. I really like the book, personally. Here's a different Stephen King uh, book and movie adaptation that I prefer. The Dead Zone? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. I haven't read the book, though. The book's really the good. The movie rocks. The movie's really good. My favorite scene in the movie is when he's doing physical therapy. Christopher Walken. Mm-hmm. And his guy's like, come on, you got to keep chugging. I don't believe that you're chugging. Come on, <laughs> keep chugging. And he's like, I got to take I gotta take a break. And he's like, all right, well, I'm going to go inside. When we get back, you going to keep chugging? Yeah. Promise you're going to keep chugging. <laughs> keep chugging. I just like that. Man, having an occupation where you just yell at, yell at your patients to keep chugging when they're physically limited in such a way that Christopher Walken was. Dream job. Christopher Walken is unstoppable. You've seen that Fat Boy Slim video, right? Mm-hmm. He's fucking flipping on walls yeah, and shit. Yeah, that's when he really started chugging. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he couldn't was, stop chugging. <laughs> that's what happens if you go to physical therapy. Yeah, you just can't stop chugging. You fly through the air. Well, what about you? What's a good adaptation in your opinion? Probably American Psycho. No, I'm thinking about it. Like, Yeah, the book and the movie are both great. Yeah. And I think the movie does a really good job at representing it. Mm-hmm. While uh, taking out what's not needed... Taking, you know, making it more accessible in a way, because the book is extremely violent in a way that yeah. probably couldn't slide by with an R rating. And it manages to tame it down a little bit while still maintaining, like, the same, you know, the intensity of the novel. Uh, disclosure? I bet that's yes. a good one. I mean, I that's haven't the read, best. The, read the book, but... Uh, oh, the, the Michael Douglas sex trilogy right there. The movie is unstoppable. Boom, Fatal Attraction. A Tour de Force. Boom, basic instinct. And then you top it off with the, the coup de grace disclosure. Mm-hmm. The infidelity cycle. Yeah. Well, yeah. Basic instinct, he's not really cheating. Well, he's not even cheating in disclosure. Yes, he is. No, he's not. He doesn't have sex with that woman. Does he? Well, no, she's trying to have sex with him. Yeah, she blows him, though. He didn't want to. Remember, he's just like, what is he? He's like, no! He's screaming no. Yeah. I don't, the the ethics of that movie are... That's a whole can of worms. Let's get into it right now. My favorite thing about that movie is there's really no real reason why she's doing any of this. Or any of that stuff. Mm. If you haven't seen Disclosure, it's a story of a man, a hard-working man, Michael mm-hmm. Douglas, who's game for his new promotion at the... What is it? It's like a virtual reality lab. 
or something like yeah, that? Yeah, the product is, it's like a VR helmet that um, digitizes a library. So this is like a, a convoluted way of um, having like a digital filing system, which instead of just like searching a keyword, you are inside a digital library and you're Such walking around. <laughs> it's an enormous library and you have to walk around to like an open file cabinets. So it's like, this is just like real life. Why would you bother doing this? Yeah, it's just a fun idea until you really think about it. Until you, like, imagine, like, you just think of that idea. And this is a Michael Crichton book, Michael Crichton of Jurassic Park. A thing. Michael Crichton joint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's dwell on that idea here for a second. Just imagine someone comes up with this, and it's like, no, it's not just going to be an idea in my head. Get people together. We're going to get an office together. We're going we're gonna to be putting hours on the clock developing this idea for a virtual reality thing that already exists. Anyway, the movie is about he's he's developing that and he's um he's set up for a you know it seems very likely he's gonna get a promotion. He's also a family man. He's a family man, as Michael Douglas is, mm-hmm. in all aspects, um except for basic what except for basic against. We're but, not talking uh, about that. We're talking we're about disclosure. We're talking about disclosure here. Disclosure also the subject of a a recent uh not recent I guess but an episode of Big Mouth in which they adapt disclosure into a musical but then it it goes to demi moore instead of him who i'm pretty sure he's not even aware works in the same firm as him like she just like comes in and gets the promotion he's very upset about it but to show there's no hard feelings demi moore invites and i think it's important that they're like formally that gets like his she's like his ex-girlfriend I think. oh i forgot about that i'm pretty sure she, yeah she's like his ex-girlfriend and uh, she invites him up to his office. They have some champagne. Try to, you know, show there's no grudges. And then, something, something, something. She tries blowing him while he's screaming, "No, mm. no!" It's a kind. Of, it's a, an intricate movie about the power dynamics of uh, boss and employee. Mm-hmm. Except, uh, it's a girl boss. Yeah, it's a girl boss. She's it's... an empowered girl boss. When you think about it, the message of the movie is men can be the victim of sexual harassment too. Mm-hmm. And it just really keeps drudging that point up. Yeah. And uh, that's there's not much more to say. It speaks for itself, really. <laughs> it actually sucks. It's a really dumb movie. <laughs> Except for the scene where Michael Douglas goes into the virtual reality lab mm-hmm. for whatever reason. I can't even remember. There's like some sort of insider a, trading going on. Yeah, there's a Mission Impossible-style sequence where he sneaks into a hotel room an unguarded hotel room in which this like uh incredibly valuable equipment is being stored and yeah he sneaks in and gets a he gets some dirt on Demi Moore I think really missed the high marks of fatal attraction and basic instinct yeah that's what would Dylan be saying if uh, we were his, his, I don't think he's seen a single one of these movies probably not but what's an adaptation he cares about oh Halo hey, oh, the yeah. Halo books uh well I think the the Halo books are um uh, 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 the lore is surprisingly deep. <laughs> See, that wouldn't count because that's the game being adapted to a book. We're talking about book to movie. There's so, some Halo movies, I think. Has it been on the big screen? I don't know. If man. not, doesn't count. The Snyder Cut. There's an adaptation Dylan cares about. What's a yeah? So I'm trying to branch out to get back to uh, Snyder. The Dan Snyder Cut. The Dan Snyder. <laughs> Way more Batman feet, Robin feet <laughs> in the, the Schneider cut. 
Uh, what's uh, are there any other Zack Snyder movies worth watching? Have you seen Three Hundred? Mm-mm. I've seen it. It's. What about it's, Sucker Punch? Uh, my little brother liked that movie a lot. I never watched that one either. The only Zack Snyder films... Oh, you know what? His Dawn of the Dead remake is supposed to be really good, but I've never seen that one either. It gets a lot... But I've noticed people talk about that more than the original yeah. these days, which is a shame. I've never seen either one. Really? The original is Wait, is that cool. the black and white one? No, that's Night of the Living Dead. Dawn okay. of the Dead was from 78. It's the so, one where they're at the mall. It's like I just found out recently that there's like five different uh, Night of the blank movies night of the comet and none of them are related night of the comet night of the creeps night of the hunter night of the demons yeah which one of these is not like the other (laughs) i've never seen night of the hunter actually maybe i'll try to rent that on youtube today night of the hunter rocks it's super good pretty sure it's streaming somewhere i always assumed is it like cape fear uh like there's similarities i guess yeah robert mitchum isn't it that's just the only reason I assume that. He's like a grifter. Like a political grifter? He's kind of like taking revenge on people. His motivations are a little different, I guess. I wonder what Charles would be saying his favorite adaptation is. He's not here. He's out of town. You know, he's covering, Mar- he's covering March Madness right now. Otherwise, he'd be here with us. Yeah. No, I thought he was at Prince Philip's bedside. No, he's not. Oh, okay. He says, fuck Prince Philip's. <laughs> oh, <Jesus. laughs> I hope he dies. Mm-hmm. 